0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this episode focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Brittany Wheland, and I am currently a PGY2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident at the University of Kansas Health System. I'll be your host today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. With me today are Michelle Borchart, is the Pharmacy Clinical Manager at M Health Fairview Southdale Hospital. Her practice interests include management, medication safety, and regulatory. Lindsay Clark is the Pharmacy Manager, Transitions of Care, and Emergency Services at Michigan Medicine. Her practice interests include management, leadership, transitions of care, and ambulatory care. Steve Silverstein is the Health System Director of Pharmacy at Mercy Chicago. His practice interests include administration and biostatistics. Thanks for joining us today, Michelle, Lindsay, and Steve. Let's get started talking about today's topic, managing through pharmacy service changes during a pandemic. Over the last year, we have all experienced rapid changes due to the pandemic. Michelle, what tips do you have on successfully leading through change?
1: Thank you, Brittany. One of the tips that I have on leading through successful change is just communicating as much as possible. I think when there's a rapid change environment, as we have all been through in the past year, you can't communicate enough. So something we did at my site is we held huddles two to three times a day, and Constantly communicated over email, just really making sure that as things were changing, we were communicating that out to our staff so they didn't feel like they were in the dark in the situation of rapid change. The other thing that I think is really important in leading through change is being available for our frontline staff, being available to listen to them when they have concerns, being available You know, it might be on off hours and really responding to staff when they come forward with those concerns, listening to them and finding out what ideas they have or what concerns they have at the time.
0: Thanks, Michelle. Lindsay, do you have any additional
2: tips that you have on successfully leading through change? Thank you, Brittany. Yes. My first tip is to be as transparent as possible to team members impacted by any change and especially providing information regarding the situation and fully explaining rationale behind why a change is being made and importantly, the impact of the change on the team members to try to paint a very realistic picture for what that will look like for them. As Michelle said also, you know, soliciting ideas and input on the change from the team members who are impacted and seeking to incorporate those ideas into the change as much as possible to ensure that team members feel that their input and ideas are important and being heard and allowing them time to ask any questions they may have and providing transparent information in response to those questions. It's also important to establish expectations to ensure team members can mentally prepare and adjust in advance of making that change and so that they have enough time to feel comfortable and, and that they have a plan in place.
0: Thanks, Lindsay. Those are all really great tips. Steve, do you have any additional tips on successfully leading through change?
3: Yeah, these are all great points that have been brought up. The only thing I would add is to be open to thinking differently. You know, I think the first impulse when you have to make rapid change is to try to maintain status quo. And a lot of times that's not an option, especially when things are happening very rapidly. So being open to, to thinking differently, being open to failure because a lot of changes that are going to have to be made uh, happen quickly and you have to be willing to pivot if, if they're not working and be sensitive to, to how it's going once you make a change. And the only other thing I would add, uh, as uh, Lindsay brought up, about soliciting ideas from staff, I think that's really important also because it helps keep the staff engaged and willing to try new things, which is always an uncomfortable thing for staff.
2: Thank you,
0: Steve. So you all mentioned how important it is for team members to be engaged and provide different insight and ideas on when changes need to be made. How would you evaluate and be aware when a service change needs to be made? Michelle, do you have any ideas on this?
1: Yes, I do. I think it goes back to a lot of what we just talked about of really listening to your staff. The staff on the front line, when it there's a situation of rapid change, they have a lot of ideas and concerns that they are bringing forward. So soliciting those ideas, evaluating them, and then putting changes into place based on staff concerns or ideas, I think is really important in this situation because as both Brittany and Steve mentioned, that way the staff really feel involved in the change. The other tip we use to evaluate when a change needs to be made is really looking at how the health system or hospital is planning changes that are coming and how those are going to trickle down to the pharmacy department. So if you're opening up a new unit or completely changing the patients on that unit, what does it mean for your department and what training or staff evaluation do you need to do at that time to plan for the change and execute the change? Thanks, Michelle.
0: Lindsay, how did you evaluate services to be aware when a change needs to be made?
2: Yes, thank you, Brittany. So I very much echo Michelle's thoughts about collecting subjective feedback from our team members regarding the effectiveness of a service and their feedback on what what needs to be changed about the service. In addition, I have found it's very helpful to acquire that subjective feedback from interdisciplinary stakeholders to help guide any change to services that may need to be made. Additionally, it's been very helpful to obtain objective data as well. Um, And so in that process, really starting by defining the outcomes we would like to achieve with a service and then brainstorming a plan on how we would collect that data to determine if we are able to achieve those desired outcomes with a service. And then using all of that, both subjective and objective information to help guide and inform any changes that need to be made.
0: Thanks, Lindsay. Steve, how are you successful in evaluating services to be aware when a change needs to be made?
3: Yeah, these are all great points that uh, Michelle and Lindsay have have brought up. I think as as leaders, we're always looking at evaluating our services and whether that's in a time of rapid change or or not. We're always kind of uh, evaluating the efficiency of the services that we provide and the patient care that we that we give. Um, so you know, certainly being sensitive to staff feedback, um, especially during a rapid change, uh, can help you identify, you know, areas of concern. But otherwise, you know, we have kind of a, a, a toolbox of uh, of things we use, whether it's uh, during a time of rapid change or not, that um, can be red flags as far as evaluating the efficiency of, of the services that you're giving. And, and those include, you know... Getting that feedback from staff, seeing if staff is struggling, seeing if they're overworked, seeing if they're underworked, you know, looking at medication variances, looking at gaps in audits that we do. You know all of the usual ways that we try to evaluate and optimize the care that we provide can really point you to whether some changes need to be made.
0: Thanks, Michelle, Lindsay, and Steve. These are all really great points and good points to be aware as leaders on how to really evaluate our services and know when a change does need to occur. So for some, the pandemic has resulted in closure of not only just services, but also closure of hospital facilities, which can impact our pharmacy teams. Michelle, could you briefly describe the situation in which a decision was made for a closure of a facility and how you communicated this change to team members?
1: Yes, Brittany. I, as many of us do work for a large health system, and we had recently merged two separate health systems together. At the time of the merger, some of the hospitals in one of the systems had had struggles financially, not because they weren't fabulous hospitals, but more because they were in very close proximity to other hospitals, making it difficult for the hospital. So prior to the pandemic, There was discussions at a very senior leadership level of kind of what to do about these hospitals. And I think the financial struggles many of us experienced during the pandemic exacerbated that situation and led to the decision to close one of our hospitals and adjust services at another. But I want to add one Really amazing thing that was done is the hospital was turned into a homeless shelter, which is kind of a wonderful thing to see as we know those are really needed. Thanks, Michelle. Steve,
0: could you briefly describe the situation and the decision was made to close your hospital facility and how you communicated this change to team members?
3: Sure. Our institution is a safety net hospital, so our margins have always been small. I think that's the case for most safety net hospitals. I think the pandemic certainly pushed the institution over into really assessing how how they could stay open. And our health system that owns the hospital actively looked for a buyer for a period of time and ultimately decided that they needed to close the institution as The bottom line continued in the red. For us, now it's looking like they may have actually found a buyer and we may be able to stay open. But, you know, it's certainly very challenging times for safety net hospitals in particular.
0: When communicating that to team members, did you find strategies you utilized to help retain that talent and reallocate the talent of pharmacy team members?
1: Uh, Yes, Brittany. Uh, System HR was really involved in the process of trying to help us retain as many team members as we could and tried to move every displaced pharmacist specifically into current openings throughout the system. And being a large health system, this was a little easier than it would be at a smaller health system. We worked together really as a system to identify any current or future openings and try to retain everyone we could. Some hospitals were also taking on additional services such as a cath lab or a new cardiology unit due to this hospital closing. So that helped them grow their pharmacy staff and really helped us find spots for those wonderful pharmacists in our system. And in the end, We were able to retain most pharmacists throughout the system, which I'm really happy to say.
0: Yeah, that's great, Michelle. Being able to still have your team members within your health system, I'm sure, is appreciated by them, but also you to be able to utilize them in the future with different service needs that you have. Steve, what strategies did you you utilize to retain talent and reallocate your pharmacy team members?
3: Anytime you have a, a big announcement like this, it's particularly challenging Rumors start very quickly. I think it's particularly important to maintain open two-way communication, be as as transparent as possible as far as information sharing. It, re- retention is is a challenge for sure. You know, people really do a self-assessment and and have to decide whether they can live with uncertainty or whether they need to have a different kind of situation. So the best we can do, you know, working with our HR and, and um, administration, you know, we can try to put together the best package possible to retain the staff. But, you know, it, it's always a challenge. I think for the the staff members who uh, do stay, have to get um, reallocated, I think, that can really be an opportunity for professional growth and increased job satisfaction. So, you know i think there there's upside to to this kind of situation cuz it really does kind of provide uh, some opportunities that wouldn't normally be there for staff and and th- that's really a chance for for them to remain engaged and and challenged during during already challenging times
0: thanks steve you know, definitely going through the times with not only the uncertainty of the pandemic, but then also the uncertainty of a job. I know that you've discussed multiple challenges in not only communicating this with your staff, but how yourself to reallocate your team members. What would you say was the biggest challenge during this period of rapid change, Michelle?
1: I would echo one of the things that Steve said in the previous question, really dealing with rumors that come out of nowhere. One situation we had is one of the hospitals that was adjusting services is a union hospital for pharmacists. And my site is a union pharma- a union site as well. And one of the rumors that was going around is that people more senior in the union could kick out people at another site who are less senior, which was very untrue. So just really dealing with those rumors and dealing with fear I would say the other challenge was wanting to help everybody personally and not being able to. I wanted to give jobs to those pharmacists that I knew that were amazing pharmacists. And I was able to take one at my site, but obviously not everybody. But just wanting to be able to help everyone and and not having the ability to, that was kind of a, a personal challenge and struggle for me.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Michelle. I appreciate it. Steve, what was the biggest challenge for you during this period of rapid change?
3: This this period, which is still going on, it is particularly challenging, not only dealing with the pandemic, but also with the hospital closure. They're kind of two different very powerful influences that that are forcing changes within my department. So Certainly trying to maintain consistency in, in quality patient care. Being sensitive to a workload of staff, being overstaffed or understaffed, um, looking at uh, drug inventory levels, you know, especially as with the hospital closure, we're trying to wind down, but also maintain patient care services. You know, it's a lot of walking a very fine line, things that keep me up at night, you know, because. Of the changing routine, you know, I'm, I worry about things falling through the crack, about people not being, not used to the routine of um, all of the things that get covered and, and losing track of some of that. So those are kind of some of the, the bigger areas that I, I try to stay focused on as we uh, continue down this path.
0: Thanks Michelle and Steve for sharing about facility and hospital closures and how that can really impact pharmacy team members. I think it's really important to be able to talk about this. So I appreciate all of you sharing that those details with us. And then we've discussed a lot about COVID-19 and the pandemic not only with hospital closures, but also with pharmacy service closures, the various social distancing practices and COVID-19 restrictions that a lot of our health systems have put in place over the last year. This has caused a lot of pharmacy services um, needing to be adapted. Michelle, what pharmacy services did you restructure and how did the COVID-19 pandemic lead you to making this change?
1: We really tried at our site to minimize restructuring of services, but we definitely did make some changes. We stopped taking students for a period of time. So that was a large change for us as a as a medium-sized hospital. Uh, We also did a lot of space changes. So moving where our pharmacists were so many of them were not sitting on the unit, which was a large change for our nursing and physician staff. They were sitting off in the building, but kind of in an off-unit location to really allow for physical distancing. And then the largest change we really made was doing our in-person medication histories and changing those to doing them over the phone, which led to a lot of unique challenges, which with making sure patients answer their phone, making sure patients had phones, and Asking our nursing colleagues for help in getting patients to answer the phone. So those are the major things that we restructured. Try to keep things as the same as possible, but you know, making a few changes. Thanks, Michelle.
0: Lindsay, what pharmacy services did you restructure and how did the COVID-19 pandemic lead your team to
2: making that change? Yes, great questions, Brittany. So in the setting of the pandemic, our department was required to make some service cuts in order to save on costs. And one of the services that was eliminated, unfortunately, was our meds to beds program for delivery of discharge medications to the bedside. And those team members were then reallocated to other areas of operational need within the department so that they were able to maintain their full employment, which was, you know, a silver lining of the situation to be sure. Thanks, Lindsay.
0: Steve, what pharmacy services did you restructure and how did the COVID-19 pandemic lead to your team making some of these changes?
3: Yeah, we made a lot of the same changes uh, that Michelle mentioned You know, certainly the the social distancing and trying to protect the staff as much as possible from COVID spread necessitated a lot of of those types of changes, trying to do as much as we could to uh, uh, minimize exposure. So those things certainly happened early on in the pandemic and, and continue to get tweaked over the months. As the hospital... Once the hospital announced uh, its closure, we had a, a different kind of influence that uh, necessitated changes and, and that forced us to uh, start combining some positions and you know, looking at workflow and um, how we're going to provide the coverage, the, continue the, the same coverage that we have of the patients with fluctuating staff. So those were kind of the big things that uh, happened with us.
0: Thanks, Steve. seems like a lot of health systems and pharmacies did need to make some of these service changes. Michelle, what strategies did you use to successfully manage the team through this change, specifically with students or the medication histories like you mentioned?
1: I think it, again, involved a lot of communication and a lot of listening to our staff whether staff had suggestions of a new place to move, or they were just very concerned about where they were sitting or what they were doing. So really listening to them and then communicating it out to everyone and being available again for questions and concerns that were brought forward specifically with medication histories, it really involved a lot of partnering with other disciplines, partnering with nursing, partnering with physicians, even partnering with our language services department for patients who may need an interpreter, partnering with the technology department to really make sure we had all the tools that our staff needed to do the job successfully. And we were fortunate that our partners, interdisciplinary in our site were really helpful and able to help us navigate through this change.
0: Thanks, Michelle. I think a lot of us have seen, you know, a lot of that interdisciplinary team building and things like that within not only physicians, but with, like you said, technology team members, language services, our nursing colleagues throughout a lot of different changes. Thanks for sharing that. Lindsay, what were strategies you used to successfully manage the team through your change with your medication bedside delivery?
2: Yes, thank you, Brittany. So we were sure to be as open and transparent as possible about the change and the rationale for why it was being made. We did make it clear that that decision to discontinue that service had nothing to do with the team members' performance. um, And it was a difficult decision that had to be made in the setting of the pandemic. We also were sure to provide a timeline as soon as we could as to when the change would be made in order to help establish expectations with team members and to help them with their mental adjustment to the change and to start planning ahead and allowed the team members some of that time to really process the change and mentally adapt to it, as I had said earlier, as well as permitting our team members the opportunity to provide their input on preferences for areas that they would be interested in reallocation with in the department of pharmacy as well as what they preferred in terms of shift scheduling times to help accommodate their their home life as well as they were about to make the significant change with their job thanks Lindsay.
0: steve what were some strategies you used to successfully manage the team through this change
3: michelle and Lindsay brought up uh um some great points. I don't have a whole lot to add. I think communication is vital to making uh, the, the sorts of changes that we were forced to make, listening to staff, really being open to new ways of thinking, empowering the staff to offer solutions to, uh, to problems, and, and like I mentioned before, you know, not being afraid to fail and And reassess and um, make another change. So you know it's definitely a challenge. And you know I think a lot of us use the same kinds of tools to be as transparent as possible and and keep the staff engaged.
0: Thanks, Steve. Going back to you, Michelle, do you plan on retaining these changes with the processes you've mentioned indefinitely, or how do you plan to evaluate your service to know when to maybe bring that back, whether that's students or moving your pharmacist back onto the unit?
1: Thanks, Brittany. We are in the process right now of trying to, what we say is return to normal, One of the easier ones was bringing students back into the hospital. We really believe in educating that next generation of pharmacists and our staff really believes in that as well. We were able to successfully bring back students and we found some areas in the hospital where the pharmacist and the student could physically distance and that's really led to successful integration of students back into the hospital. In regards to medication histories, I feel like that has been more of a challenge, and we are just working through that now of really trying to take small steps to safely return to inpatient medication histories. A lot of concerns were brought forward from our staff, and really just making sure everyone has appropriate PPE, and then only doing in-person medication histories on those patients who have a returned negative COVID test is what we've decided at this time. So really want to return back to our old processes, but listening to staff concerns and then trying to take small steps so we make sure everybody's safety is of the utmost importance in the process. Thanks, Michelle.
0: Lindsay, do you plan on retaining these changes indefinitely with your meds-to-bed service? I'm specifically interested when you talked about the reallocation of your team members, what the plan is to either return those team members back to your home team or whether you're going to keep them in the current department that they're in.
2: Thanks, Brittany. So fortunately, only two months after the meds to bed service was discontinued, we did receive approval from leadership to reactivate the service and receive those resources back again. So essentially what happened was the impact of the absence of our service was very much felt by our interdisciplinary partners, including providers, nurses, other unit-based staff. Um, And they really served as our champion in our effort to restore these services. And so this really speaks to how important it, it is to have those strong interdisciplinary partners that are willing to be a champion for your services. Uh, And regardless of, of our reactivation, though, we have continued to assess objective data regarding some of our key performance metrics, both before and after our service was eliminated. And those key performance metrics included things like prescription turnaround time, patient length of stay, and prescription volume in the pharmacy. And the preliminary results of that data analysis very much support the continuation of our Meds to Beds program. So we're now fortunate that we have that really important data to share with leadership in the event that a similar situation were to arise again. And we would be able to provide that justification to support the continuation of our
0: That's really great to hear Lindsay. Thanks for sharing that. I think, you know, after just a two month turnaround, I'm sure that was a good morale boost for the team to really showcase the importance of pharmacy during these times. Thanks for sharing that. Steve, I know you mentioned you have a lot of different combining of positions and workflow changes. Do you plan on retaining these changes indefinitely or how do you plan on evaluating these services to know when to maybe make a new change?
3: Yeah, for us, you know, we're kind of in a, a new normal kind of situation where, you know, we don't expect to go back to the way things used to be. So I think, you know, moving forward at this point, we're um, just trying to remain sensitive to the changes that we've made and and look at, you know, potential opportunities to continue to make changes as we have new influences, you know, uh, the the biggest of which of course is uh the hospital closure and now it's looking like we might stay open so you know we we're 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 still in kind of a a shifting situation and and you know for for now at least we'll we'll continue on the path that we've that we've made i think uh the key changes or going back to um, a a previous state, I I think, is identifying when when to do it. You know, you don't want to do it too early and risk overworking the staff, um, and you don't want to do it too late and risk losing staff engagement. So getting back to, I think, a recurring theme, that open communication, that really soliciting feedback from staff. And help with knowing when to make some of these changes.
0: Thanks, Steve. That's all the time that we have today. I want to thank Michelle, Lindsay, and Steve for joining us today to discuss managing through pharmacy service changes during a pandemic. Join us here on Tuesdays, where we'll be talking with ASHP members about leadership topics within pharmacy practice. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare.